All right. So if I was to ask you the question, what is your dream job? I wonder what some of the responses we would hear back from you guys. What did you think about that for a moment? What is your dream job? So maybe if you are like me, you have the travel bug and you just love going all around the world. So maybe your dream job would be a pilot. You get to fly to all these fun, exotic places for free. You have an endless supply of those little peanuts and pretzels and the little sippy cup-sized drinks, right? You can tell I just got back from a really long trip. So uh, maybe you have the travel bug and a pilot would be your dream job. Or maybe you're just kind of that type A business personality and your dream job would be to have a big fancy office in downtown New York City at a law firm with lots of interns to boss around, right? And lots of influence and power and all those types of things. And that's like, that's your dream job. Yes, I want to be the big guy in charge. Or, or maybe some of you over the last couple years of college have majored in Netflix and you would love Netflix. <laughs> There's actually a job at Netflix called an editorial analyst where you get to watch 40 hours of Netflix a week and just tell them how to tag it and which categories it needs to go under and they will pay you a full salary for that job. So maybe that's you. Talk to me afterwards if it is. We need to, you know, meet a couple times. No, I'm just kidding. But maybe that's you. Or maybe you're just a little bit more generic. And it doesn't really matter. You just want a good-paying job with lots of PTO and good benefits. And that's, that's all you really care about. But you know, I, I bet, I bet that being a professional shepherd wasn't high up on anyone's list. Was there anyone out there that's just like, yes, my dream job is to be a shepherd in the wilderness? Probably not, right? That's not in a very exciting, uh, it's not a very exciting occupation. That's not a, a job that a lot of people are clamoring to get a handle on. I just talked to a lot of our graduating seniors who are becoming freshmen this year and asking them the dreaded question, what are you doing? What are you majoring in? Not like you've heard that a thousand times, but a thousand to one. What have you been majoring in, right? And, and I, <laughs> did I hear an amen out there from, yeah, there you go. So I, I heard, you know, uh, nursing, I heard engineering, I heard nursing, nursing, more nursing, that tends to be the job right now, but the one thing I did not hear was being a, a, a shepherd, a and you know, even back thousands of years ago when being a shepherd was a lot more common, that still wasn't the desirable job to have. Being a shepherd meant that you were in one of the lowest classes of society and you were pretty much trapped doing the menial work that the rich people and the affluent people really didn't want to do. I mean, here's just a glimpse of a job description of what it would be like to be a shepherd. So job wanted, shepherd, right? So required to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Late nights and excruciatingly early mornings are mandatory. Oh, and guess what? A lot of the time you're going to be completely alone, so extra extroverts need not apply. So most everyone in the room here is safe, as of we learned earlier. So you guys are still in the running so far. You are expected to endure all sorts of harsh elements as you're living among your flock. You better, you better get used to the fact that you are going to be around a terrible smell all the time. And not only that, you are going to smell terrible all the time. So on the off chance that you actually get to go to the city, they're going to smell you a mile away and start running the other direction. Not only that, you need to get used to sleeping out in the tough elements, sleeping out right now with mosquitoes all over you and, and just attacking you during the summers, sleeping and trying to take a nap in the just torrential humid afternoons to where it's just so hot you feel like your skin is just baking, or maybe it's a different season when it's just pouring rain, it's 
frosty outside. It's cold during winter, and that's, you have to live in the elements, and that is your life day in and day out. Not only that, you are held responsible for the safety and protection for hundreds of sheep who seemingly have a death wish and are always trying to somehow die. Seriously, you turn your back away from them for two minutes, and they're running off cliffs. There's, you know, predators coming out of nowhere. Hawks are grabbing them and carrying them away. It's like, what is even going on right now? These sheep just, it's hard to keep them alive, and you are held responsible for their safekeeping. And not only that, they have a knack for getting into danger. So you're going to have to scurry out on unstable cliffs and retrieve the lamb who fell down there. You're going to have to pull the lamb back from the mountain lion's mouth. You're going to have to fend off the poachers that are trying to steal your livestock. After that description, do we have any volunteers to be a full-time shepherd? Well, that's... And no Wi-Fi! Worst of all, so all the millennials just went off the table. No Wi-Fi. <laughs> I could say that because I'm a millennial. So no, uh, yeah, but after that job description, there's not a lot of people that want to sign up to be a shepherd. It's not glamorous. I- it's not a wonderful and easy lifestyle. It's hard. It's rugged. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It takes sacrifice after sacrifice. It's the lowest class of society. But strangely enough, that's the occupation that the king of the universe associates himself with the king of the universe king jesus when he's identifying what he sees himself as he says i am the good shepherd that's what we're talking about tonight in our second i am statement the second i am statement where jesus says what his dream job is and he didn't uh, he didn't choose something glamorous he didn't choose something comfortable he didn't choose something that came with a lot of high status no Jesus said, I choose to be the loving and sacrificial and humble good shepherd. So with that in mind, let's look now at Jesus' words in John chapter 10. We'll start in verse 1 and go down through verse 15 and 16. It says this in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To the gatekeeper opens, the the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Skipping ahead to verse 7, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is not a hired, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, there will be one shepherd. You know, I love the glimpse of Jesus's character that we get to see in this word picture that he's using here, describing himself as the good shepherd. Jesus is 
the good shepherd. We just talked about what it means to be a shepherd. It's hard. It's sacrificial. You have to put the needs of literally everything above your own needs all the time. And that's what Jesus says he does. He loves his sheep so much that he puts their needs before his own. He says, I am not just a shepherd, though. He says, I am what? What's the modifier there? I am the good shepherd. Because he's saying in his word picture here, in Jesus' analogy, he's alluding to the fact that there are a lot of shepherds in this world. There are a lot of hired hands and other shepherds. And he says, you know what? They're not the real thing. They don't really care that much. They will let you down. Their sheep, whenever they see the first sign of trouble, they flee. They scatter. They don't care about whether the sheep get fed and watered. They're just in it for the money. They're just in it to make a profit. They could care less about their sheep. Jesus says, that's not me. He says, I love my sheep. I put their needs first in my life, and I will lay down my life to make sure that they are provided for. So what Jesus is really pointing after is this. The destiny, the well-being of a sheep is totally dependent upon the reliability of the shepherd. Sheep can't provide for themselves. They can't improve their standing. They can't tend for their needs. They are totally dependent on a shepherd. And Jesus says it's the most important question that you can ever ask is what he's getting after here. Who's the shepherd of your soul? Who's the shepherd of your life? That's what Jesus is pointing to here. Because there are a lot of things and a lot of people that we can look to as the shepherds of our lives for people that will give us protection, people that will make us happy, people that we think are uh, bringing us into the green pastures of life, so to speak. There are many things that we can look to, but Jesus says there's only one good shepherd who actually has the power to protect, provide, and bring you deep and abiding joy. No sin, no job, no relationship, no uh, amount of power or influence or anything else that we can put our trust in our hope in can ever bring any of those things. Those can only be found in Christ. And in our passage tonight, Jesus gives us many reasons why he alone is the, the good shepherd. But I want to look at just three, three quick reasons why Jesus alone is the good shepherd. Why there's no better place for us as sheep to be than under the care and protection of Jesus Christ, why we as Christians can say that the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, as the psalmist would say in Psalm 23, I shall not want. I'm content. I'm provided for. We need to realize why Jesus alone is the good shepherd. The first reason is this, because Jesus intimately knows every single sheep. Look at verse 3 and verse 14. He says, he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. In verse 14, he says, I know my own, I know my own sheep, and they know me. And then he says, it's just like this, the way that I know my father, and my father knows me. That word know is not just a passing glance, it's not just a, I recognize you, or know a little bit about you, it's talking about a deep, intimate relationship there, saying, I genuinely know you. When I see you, I don't see a facade, I don't see what you're trying to, I see the real you. Jesus knows us deeply, if we are his sheep. As our shepherd, Jesus promises that he's not just an indifferent owner or a manager. He, he's not just someone that owns us and then says, I could care less. I'm just here to make a profit out of you. I just want you to be my property. It's not that at all. He says, I literally become the shepherd and dwell among you. Your plot is my plot. I'm with you. I know you all by name. I, I, I know you like my father knows me. 
When Jesus sees us, he doesn't just see another number among a crowd. That's not it at all. He knows us by name, meaning he, he knows us personally. He knows our individual needs. He knows our strengths. He knows our struggles. He knows our potential. He knows our disappointments. He knows all of those things about us. And because of that, there is no person better suited in the entire universe to be our shepherd, our leader, our protector than Jesus Christ. He knows us better than anyone else. And because of that, he knows exactly what we need for our lives to grow into the healthy, the fruitful, the, the joy-filled life that he wants us to have. Jesus is a, a shepherd that specifically shepherds each and every one of us in the way that we need. I think of it this way. Uh, if you were to go to, let's say, a class at the Y, or no, no, I'll change my analogy here. Let's say this way. You were to go back in college, and you are... Uh, part of a, just a massive lecture hall. You're like one of a thousand. You know, you're at Ohio State. You're one of a thousand. The teacher is trying to teach you a little bit. They don't know you. They don't know your name. You're student 785, and they could care less if you pass or fail. They're just there to pass along some information. They don't have a real relationship with you at all. Jesus is saying that's what the other shepherds are like. They're indifferent. They don't care about you. They don't care if you fail. They actually want you to fail. But he says, no, with me, it's more like a professor grabbing you, inviting you to his office hours, sitting down one-on-one -on -one and saying, what's it going to take? What's your learning? How can we make sure that you pass and you have everything that you need to succeed in life? That's what Jesus wants to be with our shepherd. He wants to pull us aside and say, I want to give you everything that you need to succeed. And what he means by that is, I want to give you everything that you need to find your joy in me. I want to give you everything that you need to stop sinning less and to look more like me, to, to get rid of all this junk that you're carrying with you from the world and find your satisfaction in God and your joy in him. That's the type of shepherd that Jesus is. He knows us each intimately and has a personal relationship with us. But the second thing that we see in this passage, the second reason is Jesus alone is the good shepherd. It's because Jesus leads his sheep to abundant life. It says in verse 10, one of my favorite verses in this passage, Jesus came so that they can have life and have it abundantly. When all of the other people, the thieves, come only to ste steal and to kill and destroy, Jesus came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. How many of us actually believe that though? Seriously, how many of us believe that Jesus came and is our shepherd so that we can have abundant, joyful life? The tactic of the enemy, of Satan, of sin, is to get us to deny that and think that the Christian life is rigid, that it's empty, that it's boring, that it's restrictive. How many times do we see that portrayed in the media and just everywhere we turn, every, uh, that's the lie that the Christian life is boring. It's not true. Jesus says, no, I came that you can have the best life, the abundant life, the life that you were intended to have. He says, I know that sin, and I know that the world, and I know that your flesh tells you that it can give you access to the green pastures. But Jesus says, no, it can't. I'm the only one who possesses them. I'm the gate. If you don't pass through me, you can't find the green pastures. All you're going to find is death and destruction. Don't fall for their lies. He says, any other shepherd other than me can't deliver you to where you want to be. It reminded me of a shepherd that I actually just encountered two weeks ago when I was in Iceland. We were uh, driving on this backcountry road, and 
on the left side of the road, there was this beautiful, big, grassy plains. And then on the right side of the road was this beach with lots of pebbles and rocky. and just looked kind of, kind of uh, rough. It didn't look like a place you'd want sheep. Well, we're driving through the road, and the shepherd, he's behind all of his sheep. He's driving them ahead. He's taking them from the grassy, green, beautiful side and putting them over to the sandy, rocky side. And not only that, he's swatting at the sheep to where I come traveling down the road. He pushes them right in front of my car, and they came about two inches from becoming lamb chops. Like... I about, I about hit this sheep right and just, you know, it was bad. I'm like, what is going on? The shepherd could care less. You know, he looked like he was 20 years old, slapping the sheep around a little. Like, he was a terrible shepherd. That is the shepherd of sin in the world and our flesh. It doesn't care. It leads you away from the green pastures and further down into the junk. But it lies and tells us it's exactly what we need. Jesus says, I'm the only one who's going to bring you to where you want to go. I'm the only one that's going to bring you to the satisfaction and the joy that you're searching for. You can ask anyone here who's been a Christian for some time. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But there is a deep and abiding joy that was not there before we had a relationship with Christ. He alone can bring abundant life. And here's the third and most profound reason why Jesus alone is the good shepherd. And we see that in verse 11. The only way that Jesus can bring abundant life and eternal life is by purchasing it for us. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Here's why. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus alone is the good shepherd because there is no other shepherd who cares more about his sheep than his own life. He's the only one. Jesus laid down his life to save his sheep from the slaughter. Isaiah makes it really clear that we are all like sheep. We've gone astray after our own way, after sin, after the way of the world, after disobeying God. Because of that, we were like lambs destined for the slaughter. But Jesus says, no, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays lays his life down for the sheep by becoming the sacrificial lamb. He says, I love you that much to where I'm willing to die and to take your place. That is profound. That is, uh, that is beautiful. And Jesus says, I'm the only shepherd in the world who'd be willing to do that. I'm the only one who loves my sheep that much. He says, no other shepherd would do it. It's a lot like a security guard versus a secret service agent. So there's a security guard who is only in it for the paycheck. And let's say his convenience store is getting robbed, and he says, you know what? I get paid $10 an hour. You just take the store. I really don't care, right? It's not my money. I could care less. What does a secret service agent do, though, when a gun's being pointed at the president? They jump in front of the bullet, right? That's what Jesus did, except my analogy breaks down because the president is someone worth saving. He's someone worth protecting. We have to reverse that. Imagine it this way. This is a much better analogy. Let's say a gun was pointed at the president's most vocal opposer, someone who's hated him, who's got on every media and slandered him and slammed him and done everything he could to bring him down, to make fun of him, to all these things, and a gun's pointed at him, and someone's getting ready to pull the trigger, and the president jumps in front of the bullet and takes the bullet for him. That's a much closer analogy to what Christ did for us. That's what it looks like to be the sacrificial shepherd. So what's our application? What do we need to do with that when we understand that Jesus alone is the good shepherd? Well, the first thing Jesus says very clearly here that we need to make him our personal shepherd. He's the good shepherd, but that doesn't mean he's our shepherd. And he says the only way that he's our shepherd is the sheep that believe in him. So we need to put our belief and trust in Christ alone. If we've never done that, that's what we need to do 
tonight. But for those of us that have, wow, we need to rejoice. We need to praise God. We need to realize how loved we are in Christ. Because I think sometimes it's so easy to forget that. We forget the sacrifice. We forget how astounding that was for Jesus to lay down his life for us. So right now, we've got two songs, and these are specially selected songs that really just cast our mind to Calvary, that really have us intentionally thinking about what Jesus sacrificed for us. So just use these songs as a time to praise the shepherd and thank him for his sacrificial love in your lives. You know, we just spent a little bit of time talking about what it looks like for Jesus to be our sacrificial shepherd. But I just want to spend a couple minutes now talking about what that makes us. If Jesus is the shepherd, then what are we? We're we. We're the sheep, right? That is not a very flattering comparison. And it's not one that we would choose for ourselves if we were trying to think of our animal doppelgangers, right? We would like to be a much different, more majestic animal. If you've ever taken a, a disc personality profile, they pair your personality with four different animals. And you can either be like bold like a lion or you can be uh, uh, curious and, and wise like a beaver or friendly and, and playful like an otter or loyal and lovable like a golden retriever. That's what we want to be called. Who doesn't want to be called a golden retriever? But being called a sheep? Not, not as nice, right? Because what are sheep known for? Not loyal and lovable, not fun and courageous, smelly and stupid, right? That's, that's essentially what sheep are being known for. But that's the animal that we are depicted as. And when you stop and think about it, it does kind of make sense because there's a lot of similarities between us and sheep. Sheep have a herd mentality, right? So they all kind of move as one where they don't want to be caught doing something the other wasn't. They'll follow each other off a cliff. They just kind of want to be part of the group. We as human beings can do that. We want to be part of the group. We want to have the same perspective as what's popular. We want to fit in and make sure that we're not sticking out too much. We're both incredibly fearful and anxious creatures. One thing goes wrong and sheep panic and start fleeing and they have no idea and they lose control. That can be a lot of us. One thing goes wrong in our life, and what happens? We run around like a sheep. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. We're terrified. We're anxious. We have uh, just no control, right? We oftentimes, just like sheep, can be discontent with what we have. You know the expression, it's always greener on the other side, the grass, right? That, that sheep staring, going right up to a fence. They've got beautiful fields right there, but they're just looking at the other side because they're discontent. We can oftentimes be like that. We were just talking about this last night. It can be too hot in the summer, and we whine about it. Too cold in the winter, and we whine about it. Too rainy in the spring, and we whine about it, right? The other day when I was uh, on a road trip, I was whining about how slow the trucks were in front of me. I'm like, man, I just want to be going faster. Then I got a speeding ticket once it cleared up, and I'm like, where was that truck so I couldn't be going slower? Right? We're, we're never pleased. We're never, we're never pleased. <laughs> we both, uh, we both, and here's the most important one, though. We are both hardwired to thrive only when we are under the oversight and leadership of another person. Sheep are hardwired to need a shepherd. Apart from a shepherd, they'll eat the same food, they'll destroy fields, they'll run out uh, of water, they'll, they, they won't last long. They need a shepherd. God has hardwired us to need his direction and his instructions. It's in our DNA. That's how God crafted us. God, man, and we are dependent on him. He created us to be dependent 
And once we're dependent on Christ, then some of those not-so-flattering characteristics can start to be softened because we're under the provision and the care of the shepherd, and he allows us to be the sheep that we were always supposed to be. But we need to make sure that we are truly sheep that belong uh, to the shepherd. So we talked about at the end, uh, at our last section, that to become a part of the good shepherd's flock, you have to first believe in him. But our passage also points out how your life is going to change and what's going to look different about you if you are a sheep who's been found by the shepherd compared to a sheep who's still lost and wandering and going astray. So whenever in real uh, sheep herding, uh, shepherd brings a new lamb into the flock, they do earmarking. They'll take a notch and put a special notch in the lamb's ear that identifies it as belonging to that particular shepherd. Well, in our passage, we see some of the earmarkings of what it looks like for us to belong to the Lord. These are things that our lives need to be embracing and cultivating more of if we truly uh, are belonging to the Lord and the Lord is our shepherd. So the first thing we see is this. We've got three quick ones. The first thing is this. We will listen to the Lord. It says in verse 4 through 5 and verse 27, the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice and they follow him and they won't follow the voice of anyone else. The, the strangers, the enemies, the robbers, they don't listen to them. They only have ears for the voice of the Lord. How are we doing with listening to the voice of the Lord in our lives? Imagine it this way. Our life is like a radio, right? And whatever station we have it tuned to is whatever voice we hear coming through the speakers of our lives. We need to be setting and tuning our life to the station that God is broadcasting on. We need to be listening to him. How do we do that? We're spending time in his word every single day. We're taking chunks of his word and meditating on it and chewing on it so the spirit can speak to us. We're intentionally pursuing discipleship with other like-minded Christians that are speaking truth into our lives all the time. We're carving out time in our lives for Sabbath and quiet and rest so God can speak to us when all of the clutter of life has finally subsided a little bit. That's what it looks like to tune our life in and listen to the Lord. But guess what? A lot of us are like me when I'm driving, and I have all these different presets on my radio, and when something comes on that maybe doesn't grab my attention, what do I do? Click the next one, click the two, click the three, and just kind of scan through the channels. A lot of us do that with God. We think, ah, you know, I'm going to start listening to what culture has to say about this. I'm going to start listening to what my friends have to say about this. I'm going to start listening to what the, uh, the the, all these other people have to say about this. And we start tuning into all these other voices. They're trying to tell us what's right and wrong. They're trying to tell us how to find happiness. They're trying to tell us how we need to live our lives. And we have all these voices coming in, and we're listening to them. We need to silence those and keep our station, keep our lives tuned to the voice of the Lord. We listen to the Lord and no one else. So how are we doing with that? Ask yourself the question tonight, what's the station that your heart is tuned to most often? What would be coming through the speakers if we played it right now? What, what kind of words, what kind of counsel, what kind of advice would be blaring through that is consuming your thoughts and your heart and your meditations? It needs to be the voice of the Lord. The second thing that we see, he says in verse 4 and verse 27, that sheep, guess what they do? They follow him. When he says, come, what do they do? They come. When he says, you know, we're going over here, they go over there. They follow him. They don't disobey. They follow him wherever he leads. 
I, uh, there was a, a pastor I heard once, and he used to say uh, this little acronym, ADIPAT, is how he said it. We need to have an ADIPAT mindset. So it's anytime, any place, anything. That's what it means to follow Christ with all our hearts. Anytime, any place, anything, whatever Christ says, we do it. That needs to become the motto of our lives. Where you lead me, I will follow. How many of us truly have that mindset? Where you lead me, God, I will follow. Whether that's lead me to a different country to be a missionary, whether that's uh, leading me to leave a big uh, job that where I'm getting all this money to go and do something and, and, and you know, take on ministry part-time or whatever it is. What is it in our life? Do we have that attitude that whatever God says, we say, you know what, God, you have the reins of my life. Wherever you lead me, I will follow. Everything's on the table. There's nothing that I'm holding back. That's the second earmark of what it looks like to be a sheep of the shepherd. And then third, we see this. In verse 16, he says, there's one shepherd, there's one flock. We need to be excited about being part of a flock. We need to be excited about being part of a family. Sheep do not last very long on their own. They're made to thrive in community. We, as Christians, as spiritual beings, are not designed to be isolated. We're not designed to do the Christ-centered life alone. We need each other. That's what it means. One flock. We need to be unified. We need to be investing in our relationships with one another. We need each other. And that should excite us. And then we should just be stopping and asking the question, how am I doing with being connected with like-minded sheep? Who are the people I'm spending my time with? Am I building and investing in Christ-centered community in my life? Are we making time for church on the weekends? Or is that the last thing on our priority list? Because we got to go to the lake house. we got to watch the games. we got to go here. we got to go there. And before long, it's three months, and we haven't even set foot inside a church. Are we carving time out from our busy schedules and our uh, busy lives to pursue intentional friendships with other Christian believers who can help us and grow us in our faith? On Monday night, was it begrudgingly, uh, you know, someone jerking your arm to get you here tonight? Or is this the most exciting place and there's nowhere else you'd want to be on a Monday night than here, worshiping with 200 other people and praising God because there's nothing greater than worshiping God together. We are united because we have the same shepherd. And because of that, we have more alike than anyone else in this world. We have the most important thing alive. We're following Christ. So I hope you see that's what, that's what this is. We're, we're a flock. We're more than a flock. We're a family. And I, that's what we need to be cultivating here is real, rooted community. Because we can't do this thing called the Christ-centered life alone. It's too hard. We need people to help those who are wondering, to pull them back in. We need those that are strong to help those that are weak. We need each other. So I want us to buy into I know that there's people here from a lot of different churches all across the, uh, the that's okay. We're all part of Christ's flock. We're all unified around the gospel. But that's what we're here for. That's what this is about. Seeing more people come to know Jesus and join our flock. Because we want them to know the love of the shepherd. Because there's nothing better than that. That's what it looks like. Jesus is the good shepherd. We're the obedient sheep. We need to get that ordering right in our lives. So I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and then we're going to stand up and sing a couple more songs and just close out this night with some excitement. But let me go ahead and pray for us real quick. Father, we thank you so much for all the amazing things that you promised us in just this one short passage. 
You are the perfect sacrificial lamb who saved us. You lead us. You protect us. You, you take us to greener pastures. You give us abundant and eternal life. But not only that, you give us the gift of each other. I can't imagine what it would be like to try to do this life alone, but we have community. We have a family. God, you have given us so much. I'm humbled when I look at my own life and see the amount of discontentment that there oftentimes can be, and it shouldn't be that way, God, because when we have you, we have everything that we need. So help us tonight to set aside the distractions, set aside the sins, set aside the weights, and run our race with endurance, keeping our eyes on the great shepherd, the good shepherd of our lives, and rejoicing with our brothers and sisters in Christ here tonight. Be glorified by our praise. We pray these things only through the power of Jesus' name. Amen.